0: Well, good morning, Crosswinds. I'm so glad to be here today. And with those of you that are watching us online, I know there's people in Africa and, and England, and we're just glad that you're you're here with us today. How, how was everybody's week? I, I had a, an amazing week. I got to reconnect with uh, some people, got to follow Jesus and spend a lot of time with them, and it was a, a great week in the Lord. I, I hope yours was too. I, I reconnected with an old friend from... High school that uh, it actually was able to minister and to him and start a relationship. His mom was my CCD teacher. <laughs> it was kind of cool to do that. I, I hope that Jesus has given you opportunities this week and and last week to 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 serve Him and and to follow and, and to fish. And I, I'm happy Father's Day to all the dads here at Crosswinds. We have some some great dads here at Crosswinds. Uh, we really do. And Natasha, thank you for the the wonderful presentation that she put together to show us pictures of, of the dads. And if your dad's here today, uh, boys or, or girls, uh, the youth that are here, give him a big hug because it, it means a lot to have your dad with you at church. I'm excited. I'm going to get to go see mine tomorrow. And, um, you know, we've been talking uh, in a series called Anxiety Solved. And... Uh, uh, And we've been talking about the fear of man when uh, people are big and God is small. And today's message is when things are big and God is small. A little bit different take. Um, It's when our desires for the things of this life uh, are are bigger than for God that we become anxious. When our desires for money or our desires for success or 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 for love or or for approval, when our want, you know, like I said, you know, the first message I did in anxiety, I said, you know, go read um, Psalm 23 every day and then call me, you know, see how your anxiety is doing, because that first line. You know, is a key to anxiety. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. That that our want is what that moves our 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 anxiety and our fear is our want versus God's will for our lives. You know, if you listen to therapists out there as far as anxiety, they have a different view on it because they're not thinking from God's perspective. You know, but if you look back in the, the Bible, you, you, you will see that it started at the fall. Eve had a desire. She had a want that was outside of God's will. She wanted, and we've been anxious ever since. That created an anxiety you know, uh, through the fall, and we've been working, and it created toil and anxious, anxiousness ever since. And so anxiety is, is solved through the gospel. You know, we're, we're going to look at our text today. And, I, and this, uh, this text is deeply um, personal to me in some ways. And I've been stuck all week, and I'm just going to be honest. I normally have pages of uh, manuscript that I'm sitting in front of to, to preach from. And uh, I tried. <laughs> Lord, did I try. Uh, I couldn't write. Every time I sat down to write, I wrote pages and tore them up. Um, And I actually had a manuscript from years ago that I I could pull out right now. But I feel that God has something to say through me just preaching it. And, um, you know, there's a text last week that says, you know, the Holy Spirit will give us what to say when necessary. So I've studied, and I'm just going to go off the cuff today. Um, So I'm going to go right to the text. And it says this, Jesus said um, in his word, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, this is funny. When you think about it, this is really funny because Jesus has just, it's funny and it's sad because Jesus has just said to the crowd, you know, some pretty amazing things. He, he said, if you acknowledge me, before man, I will acknowledge you before the angels of heaven. And this man is bold enough to say, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I mean, can, can you think of a better question to ask the pastor or, or the man that just said that he's going to acknowledge you before the angels of heaven than can you just divide a little bit of money with me? I mean, this guy's worried about his want when the, the, the God of heaven, the one that made the stars with his fingertips has just declared that he's going to acknowledge, look, look where his mind at. I mean, this is anxiety. He's worried about money. Now, his father just died. Wouldn't your first question to the often and the Omega be, is my dad in heaven? But no, what about the money? And isn't that sometimes where people's minds go? The, the, and, and now Jesus's response is even, even, even more scary. Because Jesus said to him, man. Now it's not like man, you know, like some people might say hippie, you know, like man. It's man. Like, you know, Jesus was kind. He would usually call people by name, right? Man. Who made me judge or arbitrator over you? Maybe he's trying to get the guy to think because Jesus is judge an arbitrator over him but he's not there at that point to do that to judge over this man but he's trying to get him to think about what he's saying and who he is who made me judge an arbitrator over you god has But he's not saying to him that he's his. Because if he acknowledged Jesus before men, because he called him teacher, he didn't call him Lord. See, the fear of God takes away our anxiety. When we call him Lord, when we say, it's your will, Lord, fear disappears. Perfect love casts out fear. But when we come to Jesus as teacher, then we're going to be anxious. When we come to him as Lord, it it, it takes away our fear. And so Jesus is asking him this question to hopefully snap him back into reality of who is Lord, who is in control because fear is about control. And this man's trying to control who? Jesus. He's trying to control his world. Jesus, tell Author of Alpha and Omega, tell my brother what to do. And he really didn't have the right. Because the law already prescribed how inheritance rights were supposed to do, go. That's why Jesus doesn't want to get involved. This isn't what this isn't the question to ask Jesus. Jesus, be a stick to hit my brother. You know, as a pastor, I get asked to be a stick all the time. Fix my wife, fix my brother, fix my husband, fix my kids. Fix my computer. <laughs> fix the sound system. I was so grateful this week. I got a really great question from somebody. Uh, my, my sister Kitty, who actually, praise God, her mother's going home from the hospital today. We've been praying together. But a really great question about eternal life. I was like, hey, I get to do my job, right? <laughs> Instead of fix somebody. I mean, Jesus, I mean, th- that's what Jesus is for, right? Like to fix our soul right I'm not saying that we can't serve in other ways but jesus is kind of saying what what if you're going to talk to me ask me a really good question right let's, let's 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 get down to what's really important here the really important question of life and he said to them take care so jesus gets to the really important thing of life he says Take care, be on guard against all covetousness. Now covetousness is not a word we use very often, it means greed. It it, it means, um, you know, the greed for things, the greed for stuff. And, and, And Jesus says all, and I think it's really interesting that he says all because we can be covetous Towards a lot of different things we can we can be covetous towards women or another man 's wife or, or towards pornography we could be we could covet images we could we can covet files on our computer we could covet um, uh, collectibles we can covet uh, money we can covet uh, our business we can covet our ministry and how big it is we, we can covet how many people are sitting in our seats we can covet um, how successful we are we can covet how pretty we are we can um, cover, covet how decorated our home is. We can, we can, uh, our hearts are idle factories. We can covet a lot of different things. And and so Jesus is telling us and warning us to be on guard because our, our hearts covet. And then he says something stunning here. He says, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions, how many of our lives are all about those other things? Is your life all about your business? Is that where your identity is? Is is your life all about your ministry? Is your life all about your, um, your home? Is your life all about your children? Is your life all about your music? Is your life all about your recreation, your golf game? Is your life all about your hobbies? Is your life all about the things you collect and the, the stuff you have and the toys and the boats and the I, I sold one of my boats. Yeah, that was great. It's out of the p- church parking lot. My wife's so happy. I had a collection of three for a while. Now I'm down to one that I'm going to give away. But but is your is, is that does that become your life? I mean, there's times in my life things have become my life, either a hobby or a career or a, or th- uh, toys that have, were my life. They became my obsession or my focus. What is your life? And because G- Jesus says. Your life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. And he tells us a parable. Because Jesus is teaching the whole crowd, but he's he's teaching this man and he's teaching us. he told us an incredible parable. And he, he says this, he says, he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And, and he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and I will build larger ones. And then I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And up to this point, this guy seems like an American hero. Right? I mean, this is the good life business is going well, got a good retirement plan, we're expanding, things are good, this man's got the dream life. How's his kids doing? Doesn't mention them. How's the wife doing? Doesn't mention them. You know, a few years back, I I was performing at a a banquet that was, uh, for a very successful man, he uh, had a very successful construction company. And afterwards, he wanted to talk to me. And and basically, he wanted to brag about how well his company was doing. And he had so many grandchildren and so many family members. They're all there to honor him. And he wanted to talk to me about how successful. And I kept trying to point the conversation what, how amazing it was, all his grandchildren and all his children that were there. And he couldn't see it. Kathy had her father's 90th birthday here yesterday. And a similar conversation happened with all his grandchildren there that was just sad because he's not yet found God. And what his life was about was missing, I'm not trying to put him down, but there, So this man is so many of us. What is your life? You know, I'm a type A person, I can, I can make my life compulsively about a lot of things. that's not my life. Thankfully, I found Jesus. And that keeps me in check. And, and, And my fears have gone away. But before I found Jesus, anxiety ruled my life. Anxiety ruled my life because I was like this man. Because if you look at his his story here, there's a conversation going on. Who's he talking to? Himself. There are at least 12 pronouns, I think, if it depends on the them, 14, and they're all him. You know, I, he thought to himself, <laughs> uh, what shall I do? I have nowhere to store my crops, and I will do this. I will tear down my barns, and I will build larger ones, and I will store grain. And I said to my soul, soul, here's the problem. He's anxious. He sounds successful, but he's anxious. This man is a very successful, anxious man because it's all about him. And there's no God because he's the God. It's the same sin as Eve. You can be God. And anxiety comes in. Because it's all about Him. See, when we talk to ourselves, we're going to be anxious. When we talk to God, anxiety goes away. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, present your request to God, and may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Instead of talking to yourself, instead of making plans in your own mind, talk to God. Right? We get anxious when we're talking to ourselves, when our life is about what's going on with us, instead of what's going on with God. He, he, he thought to himself, what should I do? I'm successful. What should I do? Sometimes success creates anxiety. Now what should I do? My business is expanding. What should I do? Oh, I guess I have to tear down one business to, 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 to start something else. And I got rec- I, I a lot more work to do. I got to work twice as hard now. I got I to gotta expand. You know, I've learned some businesses have a sweet spot that's perfect, right? That expansion is a nightmare. Uh, Do we ask God, what is this supposed to be? You know, some people get a promotion and and that destroys their family, destroys their life, destroys their, their work in the church. Did they ask God, what is this supposed to be? Our life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. What is our life to be, God? You know, there was a time in my life where I tore down a business that God gave me to open up two others, and I totally destroyed everything. Ended up almost bankrupt. And then I met Jesus. Jesus. And then I, he repaired my life. But in anxious toil, I almost destroyed my marriage and my children and and everything. Thankfully, God did take my life, gave it to him. He demanded my life, but he was merciful that he allowed me to live for him. But if we if we if we're asked but but people need to stop and they need to ask God, what shall I do? Because we're on this, this treadmill of what shall I do? I, I, I well I need more money. I need a bigger house. I need a, I, 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 I need a bigger car. I, I, I need more toys, I need more electronics, I, I I need more channels, I need I need more apps, I need more. You know, our kids, when we grew up, they were called poor two channels. And you know, they've done okay in life, even though they were called poor two channels. Some of the kids that had 100 channels are still watching them in their their underwear playing video games. They survived, right? I mean, sometimes we overindulge our children. What are we teaching our children? We're teaching our children to be anxious by teaching, giving them too much. You know, Megan, when she was three, the abundance of possessions are not her life. She was wise enough. Our grandparents overspoiled her, like gave her everything. And she's sitting in front of the Christmas tree, crying, sobbing, buried in toys, telling her mother she's miserable because she has nothing to hope for anymore. Um, You know, uh, this abundance of uh, the addiction to stuff isn't our life. It's not our life. So up to this point, this guy seems to be an American hero. I will say to my soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink and be merry is that the goal that God has for your life is that what Jesus told you to do go eat drink and be merry is that the goal go therefore eat drink and be merry I think that that's in Ecclesiastes somewhere, 815 or something like that. But I think that's, like, if that's all you get, eat, drink, and be merry. If there's no heaven, eat, drink, and be merry. You're an animal, basically enjoy animal stuff. But if there's a heaven, if you acknowledge you being before men, I will acknowledge you before the angel of heaven. If there's eternal life, then we have a job to do, and there's a world to reach. And so go to Africa, uh, if you've got some time, go go and, and, and share, share the gospel or, or use some of these resources. Hey, you got a little bit too much produce? Hey, fund uh, uh, Africa, fund Haiti, fund uh, Ukraine, do something. Because the problem wasn't that this man was rich. Do, do you, I want you to know something in this text. The problem is not riches, because so, we're all rich here. Compared to the rest of the world, we're all rich. The problem was not riches. And if God's blessing was riches, if you look in the text here, Jesus said the land oh, the, uh, of the rich man produced plentifully. So the problem is not riches. So I don't want you to think that if the problem is not riches. The problem was the man anxiously thought he produced the riches. Who produced the riches? God. God produced the riches. And the problem was the man thought he was the only one who had to decide what to do with the riches and didn't ask God what he should do with the riches. And so it made him anxious because he had to steward it alone. And God has a plan for those riches. That's why he gave the man those riches so that, that, that he could do something with the riches. But the man's plan was different. Let's, let's tear down one thing. Like I had a plan. Let, my plans never work. <laughs> Every stock I invest in goes down. <laughs> Maybe you're better, you know. <laughs> but my plans don't work. God's plans work. So I need to ask God. God's plans always work. And all things God is working for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So, what are God's plans? His, his work. So, he didn't ask God. He thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no one, nowhere to store my crops. I will tear down my barns and I will build larger ones. And I will store my grain and my goods. What, what if What? what it could have solved this problem? He could have given, got too much crops. What about the poor? What about his children? There were other solutions, maybe, that God could have given him. What about helping some other entrepreneurs? What about helping his town? Did the business have to expand? I don't know. But he didn't ask. He just said, soul, you have laid up ample goods. It's Time to relax. Eat, drink, and be merry. Maybe it wasn't time. Maybe it wasn't enough goods laid up. Is retirement the goal of life? Is it? It's the American goal. It's not the biblical goal. Rest is the biblical goal. To rest from anxiety, to, to rest in life. See, American life is compartmentalized. Work really hard and anxious toil until you're 65 and then try to rest and die that's really it because a lot of people die pretty quickly after retirement now it's past 65 but but God's <laughs> view is to rest along the way serve him along the way all the time Moses didn't get a start till he was 80. What I'm saying is this this the path that we're on is accumulate hold it for me and letting the government take it not the kingdom is I don't know that that's God's plan. It's anxiety. It's anxiety driven. It's not trusting In God. At least according, I think, to what Jesus is saying. Because in verse 20, it says, But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? All this work, all this anxious toil, you know, the picture and the graphic that I had was of a hearse with stuff on top of it. You know, there's this phenomenon in our country called hoarding. And it's not just when we have a pandemic. We, we, I hoard food in my anxiety. Some people overconsume consume alcohol. Some people over consume media. And I think of the squiggly lines when we do three circles. We, we over consume things. And our anxiety. Because that, that becomes our life. It, it's where we're finding our security. In... 2016, all of this, I love my dad, and this is Father's Day, and this is what's hard about this to preach, is that in 2016, my my worst nightmare came true. I learned more about anxiety in 2016 and 17 through the Bible and life than I ever thought I would. Um, My father is an eccentric collector, at least that's what I thought my whole life. I admired him for all the hobbies and interests he had. Um, But his anxiety-driven interests and collecting caught up with him. He had a heart attack and his, his, his just expanding, collecting caught up with him where he couldn't sustain it anymore and he had a mental break. And I had to jump in and, 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 and take care of it. And I never saw it for hoarding. I, I never understood that. And I never saw that that was part of his anxiety. I, I knew anxiety was part of his life. Anxiety is a family business for us. Worrying was a, a family business. We used to, you know, say that in our, our home. My mo- my grandmother was the CFO, the, you know, certified fear officer of our family. Something that she taught us, and through the depression, you know, that, that, that worry was there. When I became a Christian, I, I got healed of it, but the family, that's what they do. And it's a form of control, because they want you to worry, too, and, and they, they, they control. And I knew my dad was a worrier, but I didn't know how bad it was. But when I started to deal with his, his stuff, I, I realized the obsessiveness of it and the price because it was his life. Over that a summer, it, it took away my life. Um, six months of driving to Milwaukee, back and forth, uh, spending 10, 12 hours a day um, dealing with three properties. He had a store that he never opened, consumed with it, but nobody enjoyed it. Uh, five dumpsters, five full moving trucks of stuff out of there. Uh, another house that I had to eliminate that had three dumpsters and, and four moving trucks moved out of it. And then his own personal house that the dog couldn't even turn around in, that I, I did nine dumpsters and um, five weekends of estate sales. Now, what was interesting about the estate sales is when people would come, they had two reactions. One, because there's a lot of hoarders out there, (laughs) and that's what I also learned, is they had two reactions. One is they came in and they left horrified within 30 seconds. And that was after I'd already removed three or four dumpsters of stuff you could move. <laughs> but they just panicked. The other group you knew were hoarders because they went, this is the greatest place in the world, <laughs> and they started shopping. <laughs> and there was a third group. Those are the ones that came up and hugged me, total strangers, because they understood. Because they were hoarder kids. And they understood. Because that's what happens. The kids have to deal with it. And uh, so some I just gave a, you know, the ones that went in the basement, I gave a, a a helmet with a light on it, and said, "If you don't come out in an hour, I'll come find you." <laughs> set, him, set, him, set him down. <laughs> These are all true. <laughs> you can't make this up. <laughs> and um, you know, we 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 dealt with that, but it was anxiety. The point is, it, it was anxiety-driven. It was fear. It's a compulsion to fear. It was all in his mind. His belief, like this man, was he was building his retirement. This was his treasure that was going to be sold through the rest of his life, these collectible things that would fund his retirement. And through the estate sales, whose will they be? All these treasures that he saw as treasure, but nobody really did. Um, and I, I remember one point, I, I I said to him, did you realize you had 12 of these flashlights? He goes, yes. And I said, well, you know, I said, you know, those crates of rocks outside were really heavy. He goes, yeah, I know, i put them there. <laughs> and I realized, you know, everything that I carried out, because he didn't collect light things. There was a cast iron kettle big enough to cook Todd and Mike and I in, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you know I would sometimes come to home tired and complain about it. And he'd say, I carried that stuff in, and he did, you know, for years. I only had a couple of months, but, you know for years. I mean, the anxious toil, like this man, I, I understand this man. I, I, I actually am merciful towards my father for the work that he put in, the, the problem. And, and And actually, he's a good collector. He is. Some of you may be good. God has, made you good at making money. He's made you good at being successful and building things. My, my dad is a creative person. He's a, he's a wonderful man. I mean, some people went in and got, this guy's amazing. I'd love to meet him. All the interests, all the different things. He's a photographer, a filmmaker, all these things. But there's another problem here, and it's in verse 21. He who lays up treasure for himself is not rich towards God. It, it, was a, it was a delusion in his own mind. It, it never never got shared with the world. The resources never got out there. There were all these projects, all these half-written books, all these, all these things that never got to the world. They were a, 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 a thing in his own mind. Because of the anxiety. I have a question. What, what do you really possess? Because Jesus says, be on guard against all covetousness. One's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. What really is your life? It's not your possessions. It's not your children. It's not your family. It's not the things that we tend to collect. It's our life is in Christ. Or it should be. Our life is in God. Where where is your treasure? See, my, my, my dad's treasure was in his stuff. And it broke him. It broke him physically and it and it broke him mentally. And thankfully, God is recovering him. And 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 through that experience, I had the opportunity to witness to so many people. And so there were positives, but where is your life? What do you really possess? Because whatever you think you possess really possesses you. And I think we all have to think about that. I know I have to think about that because I think we can all... Because there's a shadow side of anxiety. I, I think a lot of people that have anxiety think they're victims. They're not. They're not victims. They're controllers. They're controllers. See, hoarders have victims. They're children. My children are victims of my anxiety. Anxiety passes generationally. The, 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 anxiety is sin. And, you know, when I was an anxious man trying to do all those businesses and separating from my family and not taking care of my wife and not taking care of their needs, it had effect on them. There's victims. It makes us controlling. And, and, and so there, it, 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 it it It's sin. It's something that needs to be repented of. You know, we, we, we tend to, and I'm not uncompassionate again. you know, there's compassion towards it, but it's something we need to repent. We repent by turning to God. Because anxiety wants to control. Often wants to control the actions of others. Or affect others. Because whatever we medicate with, if we medicate with stuff, if we medicate with alcohol, if we medicate with sexuality, if we medicate with um, uh, success and overwork, it has an effect on our families. It has an effect on other people. It controls them. control us in unhealthy ways. The stress of, of our anxious toil makes us eat, drink, and be merry too much to deal with the stress. And the answer to our anxieties is to turn to God. The the fear of of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Again, the problem is not the riches. The problem is not the success. It it, it is the the love of money. It is the want, the desire that creates the problem. Money is a good thing. Money builds ministries. Money builds, um, you know, feeds children. Money is, is a good thing. God blessed the land to produce plentifully. The, the problem is the separation from God. God has a design for our lives, for us to be with Him, to be in relationship with Him. And sin is when, in our anxious toil we separate from him and try to do it ourselves, and there's a way that seems right to a man and, and it leads to death and not only our death the death of our children see I could have died that summer taking care of my dad's stuff and that father didn't care thankfully I have a heavenly father that sent his own son to die for me. Who came down from heaven? Who came down from heaven? Had no want. Or need from anybody. It wasn't an anxious toil, trying to build something to impress men. Instead, he loved people, and he cared about people, and he had time for people. Sometimes we don't have time for people because we're too busy because of the things we want that we're not rich towards God. This week, I, I really tried to focus on doing little things for God, trying to be rich towards God, not rich towards Ken. He loved people. And he cared for people. And he stood up for people. And it wasn't the American way. Have it all. Get it all. Be the biggest and the greatest. You must Lay down your life for all. Be lower than anybody else. And even when they screamed out against him, and even when they spit on him, and when they made fun of him, he prayed. He didn't talk to himself and mutter and say, oh Lord, I wish you'd just send fire down from heaven and destroy them. He prayed and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They're so caught up in their want. Every thought that they have is about their want. The Jews want this and the, the Romans want this and disciples want this. I want to show them my love. And he died. And then three days later, he proved. He proved who he was. He proved who he was by walking out of the grave. He proved he was the Alpha and the Omega. He was the first and the last. And he was the one that could take away all of your fears because he perfectly loved you. And he didn't scream at us. He, he told us a parable to help us see who we are, that we're all like this man, that we get caught up in ourselves, we get caught up in our compulsions. I wasn't putting down my father. I was using him as an illustration. I'm like my father, and I need to repent of that every day. It's hereditary. We're all like our fathers and our mothers. And we, we, we need to turn from are from Eve and Adam, our old parents, and, and tu- turn towards our Heavenly Father and be rich towards Him. You know, Because there were times in that whole time I kept thinking like, oh, my father is going to be disappointed. And I was worried about my earthly father and not my Heavenly Father. And it wasn't until a believer told me, you're worried about things that are going to be eaten by moss." because I was worried about my dad's stuff instead of my dad's care, and that straightened me out. So now I pray for my dad every day, and I talk about Jesus with him all the time, and I know he knows Jesus. I'm I'm concerned with his soul, not his stuff. Right? Who are you living to please? Who are you living to be rich towards? Rich towards God? Rich towards yourself. Rich towards somebody in the world, your boss. Because this man's soul was required. You're accountable to somebody, it's required. Whatever you think your plan is, God has another plan, and and, and it was required. And if you're not rich towards God, if your heart is not with Him, if you're in your own delusion of what things are, your soul will be required to go to hell. That's not what God wants. demanded, but if you're willing to turn today and repent, turn and repent of, of, of being alone in your imagination, in your compulsion, and in your, your fear, and, 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 and turn to Jesus and, and, and trust in his perfect love for you. Acknowledge him before men, no matter what it costs you. To make people more important than things, because people are much more important than things to Jesus. To make people more important than success, because people are much more important than success to Jesus. Are you you willing to start asking God, what should I do? Not say to yourself, what should I do? Are you willing to start singing to God instead of singing to yourself? This man is singing to himself. I'm going to have the praise band come and I'm going to Pray. There's a lot to consider in this passage. I know I've been thinking about it all week, and I, I would ask you to consider it. And I want your hearts to have peace. because when we turn to Jesus it's amazing how instantly our fears go away because God is that perfect father who always loves us and in him there is no fear there is perfect love today turn from things and make him your treasure he has proved his love to you through his son stop asking anxious questions oh god fix my brother fix my wife fix my husband fix my business fix those things are important to god but The most important question is, Lord, fix my anxious heart. Help me to trust in you. Let me come to you. Let me depend on you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. Let me have peace in you, Lord. Let me walk with you. You are my creator. You are my deliverer. You are my strength. You are my peace. Lord, I thank you for what you have done for us. You don't seek to control us, Lord. You're the perfect father who sought to love us sent your Son to to die for us, to redeem us, to give us value and to make us whole. Father, we praise you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Today if you'd like to pray, I'll be here in front. If you feel you need to repent, come and pray with me.